what's working on purpose anyway? Each week we ponder the answer to this question. People ache for meaning and purpose at work, to contribute their talents passionately and know their lives really matter. They crave being part of an organization that inspires them and helps them grow into realizing their highest potential. Business can be such a force for good in the world, elevating humanity. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration to help usher in this world we all want, working on purpose. Now, here is your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose program. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. My introduction, if you don't know me, I'm a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. I'm an organizational logotherapist, inspirational speaker, social scientist, and author. You can learn more about me and the work that I do at EliseCortez.com or Gusto-Now.com. If you've been tuning in for a while, you know this program is a thought leadership series that enlightens and inspires listeners and viewers with insights from distinguished business leaders, authors, and subject matter experts. By listening in, you're part of the movement to create inspirational leaders and enlightening workplaces where we can thrive and do business that betters the world. Glad you're here. Now into this week's program with us is Cynthia Forsman, who has a passion for storytelling. As an archetypal explorer, she works with individuals to uncover and connect the hidden symbols, patterns, and passions that give their lives and work meaning. As a founding partner at Culture Talk, she helps organizations design cultures, brands, and communications programs that are driven from a place of authenticity and deep awareness. We'll be talking about how she developed her 12 archetypes and the work she does. She joins us today from Denver, Colorado. Cynthia, welcome to Working on Purpose. Uh, thank you so much. It's great to be here, Elise. Thank you. Isn't it wonderful? We find each other because we have fantastic connections in the world. Thank you, Eli Tahar, for bringing us together. Absolutely. I, I love the fact that I get to literally have conversations with people from across the world, and we have listeners who enjoy the program from across the world. So I feel like I'm connected, and thanks to you as well for that. Mm, and I um, I love your background as well. I think we share um, some really s- similar parts of our story. So great to be here. Absolutely. And, and to that end, the first thing I wanted to start with is, we both have this focus to help humans thrive in the world. Um, yeah. So why is that important to you? Why do you care so much about that kind of work? Well, um, maybe the simplest way to put it is I tend to think that our state of being is contagious. Mm, I love that. I completely agree. Yeah, it's not 100% mine. Um, one of my mentors, <laughs> Tammy Simon, um, uh, recently said that, and I just so resonated with it because you know, how I show up in any given moment in my life, in my job role, as a parent, as a, you know, partner in a relationship, I'm affecting everybody else. You know, my, my ability to show up fully, wholly, authentically in alignment with myself and my own purpose affects everything around me. I mean, we're just energetic that way. Mm-hmm. Completely agree, fully aligned. Mm-hmm. And another thing about us that makes us really interesting, of course, is we bring our whole package, our what we've come through, how how we were raised, and mm-hmm. um, our our genetic qualities, et cetera, to the world. And one of the things I find so interesting about you and your work with archetypes and your culture focus on individuals and companies is that you talk about having grown up in a family with ten children, <laughs> which, as you refer to, is it was a small organization, right? Um, so help us understand how that experience of growing up has contributed to and informed the work you do today in, in archetypes and, and culture. 
Yeah. Yeah. Is it, I mean, I did. I mean, how many small companies do we know or <laughs> family owned businesses that are, you know, less than 10 people. So mm -hmm. I literally, my first organizational experience was being an Agresta and I'm third of 10. So I'm at the top of the brood. And I guess, you know, at least some of the things I learned um, early on in my life was group you know, was being part of a system, was being part of something that was bigger than just me. And, you know, it, it, we had rituals, we had traditions, we had rules, we had hierarchy. Um, we had, you know, God help you if you were late when, the, when it was time for dinner, no, no one could eat, right? So we had, you know, that kind of reinforcement from each other. Um, but, but probably the most important aspect of, of what we learned was teamwork. Right. Mm -hmm. Because if we were going to grandpa's or we were going to the beach or we were going to church on Sunday morning, a lot of things had to happen and, and it takes a big coordinated effort. Um, and we I mean, in, in our family, so we we sh I know we're going to talk a little bit about 12 archetypes with my parents. There are 12 of us. And so, you know, there is a lot of different perspectives, if you will, even amongst my siblings and my family members that, you know, you, you learn to work with people, you learn to collaborate, to allow for for differences in opinion and need and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And I had wondered if you could find representation of all of your 12 archetypes in your family. I was wondering about that, but, but yeah. I want to help our listeners understand um, first, just even how you got into the work, right? You yeah. studied archetypes and I know that you you had someone, a mentor or somebody that you were working yeah. with here. But what's interesting from my vantage point, I don't know a lot about archetypes, but okay. I, from what I don't, from what I think I know of them, and you tell me if I'm way off, okay. I see them as both an identity orientation and a way of moving through the world and being connected to it. I, I love that definition. I think you've got a very clear way of thinking about archetypes, but I'll give you a couple of other ways. So okay. I, I have background in psychology and positive psycho masters in positive psychology. Yeah, that's so I, where the thriving for both of us has yeah. got to come from, right? I have it too. That's, that's right. How do we thrive? Um, but Carl Jung, um, who was a Swiss psychotherapist um, in the you know mid 1900s, was really the person who coined that term archetype, and he was also somebody that was into studying symbols and patterns and things that had shown up in history and religion and gods and goddesses. And what he started to notice is that there's certain patterns that seem not specific to you, Elise, or me, but they seem to be patterns that repeat themselves over time, kind of storylines that provide structure as a way of, of understanding who we are. And um, so he was the first person that really talked about archetypes and he had lots and lots and lots of archetypes. There's a lot of, you know, uh, there's a number of thinkers, educators, philosophers who have some kind of archetypal system, and they may have different numbers of archetypes, um, but he had many, many archetypes. And he, he looked at, you know, he, his thought was the key to consciousness was really to look within at your own patterns, your own stories. Mm -hmm. And, and to, you know, if you, I have a friend who says, if you can't, you know, if you don't manage your archetypes, your archetypes are going to manage you. Mm -hmm. So how do we become, how do we use archetypes as a way of becoming aware of the patterning that we're stepping into? Mm -hmm. So 
I, I know that you have 12 archetypes, and thank you again for allowing me to take the assessment. We'll talk a little bit later about both of our <laughs> results. But, but, but first, um, before we talk about the actual archetypes themselves, would you say a little bit about how you derived them? Oh, yes. So um, the 12 we use at Culture Talk, we use a group of 12 archetypes. Mm -hmm. And that framework actually comes from another um, Jungian researcher by the name of Carol Pearson. And Carol, I, I would credit Carol with bringing archetypes into the modern workplace. She really focused on, you know, Jung said archetypes show up in individuals as personality but they also show up in groups as culture. And so Carol is an organizational development thinker who was really curious about how these same patterns show up in groups and in organizations and in organizational culture. And so she identified 12, a framework of 12, and that is the framework that we have built the work upon. I had a chance to study with Carol early on into my career, and, and it was definitely one of those game changer moments to, to learn about her work. Oh, I totally get it, right? I I am such a sucker for learning. I wish you could see my bookshelf over here. I just love it. If I, I've always thought if I ever had to pack up and move again, what would I do with all my books? Yeah. Come along <laughs> with me. Um, well, let's let's have a little fun here and, and help yeah. our listeners and viewers understand a little something about these 12 archetypes. Can you talk about each one of them just briefly? Sure. Um, so in the system of 12 that we use, um, there is the innocent. And very simply, the innocent might be considered kind of the optimist, you know, mm -hmm. the person who sees the glass half full. There's also the every person who is that kind of personality that's about fairness, about justice, about leveling the playing field, kind of has a mind for, you know, how do we connect as a group? Um, then we have the hero and the caregiver. The hero, I know being one of yours that we're gonna talk about, but definitely that, that courageous, brave, inspiring type of personality that just gets things done. Um, whereas the caregiver might be a gentler um, archetype that's more about seeing people, seeing needs, seeing who needs what and, and serving to create stability and, and uh, nurturing people. So those are the next two. And then we have the explorer and the lover. Um, you might think about the explorer as kind of that curiosity-driven individual, that early adopter, that person that's just like always out there looking at what's just just beyond the edge, if you will. Um, whereas the lover is like instead of being out there, is like the draw them in kind of um, energy. It's the connecting. It's the one-on-one -on -one connections. It's relationships. Then the next two patterns are creator and revolutionary. And I'll actually talk about revolutionary first because revolutionary is like the pattern that, um, you know, kind of rubs against the grain, questions the status quo, notices like what's not working and says, why are we doing that? And the creator is a pattern that can come in and make new things, innovate, make mm. things very tangible. So they're kind of an interesting pairing because one's kind of doing away and one's making new things. And then we got four more. So the next two are the magician and the ruler. The ruler being a pattern that is about responsibility, stepping up and leading, taking control, seeing what needs to be done, kind of coming in in a confident commanding way. 
that helps create stability. Whereas the magician is an energy that is about transformation and change, right? So what's our bigger vision? Where are we going? What are What is somebody's potential? And, and can we make some bold, intuitive leaps in, into a new reality, if you will? And then the final pairing is sage and jester. Um, sage is uh, a story that is about wisdom. It's about knowledge. It's about learning all the facts and the proofs and having the ideas and, and being very sound in judgment and thoughtful and critical thinking. And the jester um, will follow up with the 12th, which is a jester, which is like a pattern of fun and a pattern of lightheartedness and a pattern of let's enjoy each and every moment and let's not take everything so seriously. Mm. So listeners and, and viewers, I hope that as she was sharing those things that you might start to recognize something in yourself. We're going to talk more about each of ours um, after the break here. But the other thing I want to point out is that it, if I have this right, that you mm. seem to oftentimes, uh, oh, I think in your report, actually, you give us our top three. Yes. Right. Yeah, it's important to talk about that. We're not, it's not just that we have, so how would you say that? We're not just expressing right. one archetype or how would you say that? Yeah, so I would say, you know, there are some personality assessments that kind of box people in and mm -hmm. say, oh, you're a this or you're that. Um, an archetypal assessment is more about how do we create, how do we let somebody's story emerge? Mm -hmm. um, and, and none of us is all of the archetypes. <laughs> None of us. Hello, who is the puppy? This is Charlie Brown. Uh, Charlie Brown. Hello, Charlie. <laughs> none of us is all of one and none of the other. We actually have the capacity, each of us, to tap into those storylines. But we kind of have a two or three or four that are our go-tos, that are our natural tendencies, that we we respond unconsciously, if you will, in, in a certain three or four patterns. So, um, yeah, you have access. And I think your report actually shows you your scores across all. It does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So then if I have this right, this is also important for our listeners and viewers to understand then. Are you suggesting, are you saying that we can grow into and access all of the archetypes at some point? I, I would say maybe not all, right? <laughs> I'm optimistic, am I? Yeah, no, I think it's an individual journey. I think that um, what we find is that there's certain patterns and stories that are just part of who we are, right? Mm -hmm. I can't no, no help. I can't help showing up with that. Mm -hmm. um, but then as we become conscious, and this was Young's point, as we become conscious of our stories and our patterns, we can shift. We can develop underdeveloped traits. We can you know, be more intentional about what we're trying to create in our life experiences. So it's sort of a yes and. We are, certain patterns are natural, but we have capacity to develop patterns and sometimes in response to life you know certain patterns may show up for us mm -hmm. beautiful we do have a couple of interactions with our online chat folks we'll get those after the break but let's take our first break i'm dr lisa cortez your host we got on the air with cynthia forsman she's the co-founder of culture talk we've been talking a bit about how she got into the work that she's doing why it's so compelling to her and how she derived the 12 archetypes she works with in organizations after the break we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of it and hear her talk about my results as well as what she does with, with with customers and clients stay with us we'll be right back Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer
care for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. I have to say, I forgot to mention in my opening, but I, my book is out. Purpose Ignited is out. I actually had have to say that it's my pandemic baby. That's what I was doing during the pandemic. So it's out. It's called Purpose Ignited, How Inspiring Leaders Ignite Passion and Elevate Cause. I really wrote it to turn on, 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 on readers to their own passion, inspiration, and purpose. So that's why I wrote it. It's out there for you. Back to the program. If you're just joining us, Cynthia Forsman is my guest. She's the co-founder of Culture Talk. She joins us today from Denver, Colorado. Okay, so we had a couple questions come in before we get into the next piece of things here. The first question is, is there a book out about these archetypes and how can I get my own? <laughs> um, we actually have an assessment tool at culturetalk.com. Um, where you can take uh, an archetypal assessment, much like we did, Elise took um, her assessment. So that's one resource. Um, Carol Pearson, who I mentioned earlier, has several books out um, that explore all different, you know, aspects to learning your storylines and, and working with them. So awesome. two resources. Listeners, thank you for your engagement and your questions. Appreciate the interactions. Great. Okay, so what we also wanted to do in this in this segment here, Cynthia, is talk about each of our results and kind of how they show up and what they mean. So let's start. Let's start with you, if we can. So, sure. um, you 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 said that your highest archetype is creator, then caregiver, then lover, mm-hmm. and those are your core three. So first, I want to understand how does knowing your core archetype serve you in your life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways that we can apply archetypal thinking, and you know, uh, I mentioned you know by tapping in and seeing your own storylines, you can start to become more purpose-driven, more intentional about what you're creating. That's just one way we could look at archetype. Um, archetype as a framework um, has in built into it several ways of, of being applied that help us develop as individuals, as leaders. Um, so for example, each of the storylines that I described briefly has elements to it that we call strengths, mm-hmm. but it also has a shadow side, right? And they come as part of the same package. So as we start to get in touch with our own storylines, what happens is we start to become aware of some of the stuff we drag into interactions mm-hmm. with us. And um, so the ability to see our shadow, to get to know our shadow, the ability to tap in, because every one of those storylines is a motivational pattern. They're all motivated by something different. And I think motivation is a great why 
question. It's a great yes. purpose question. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole opportunity. I mean, we develop personal brands. We develop personal uh, purpose statements. Um, I can share mine in a minute. But we, uh, we also look at how can this person evolve and grow? How can they step out of shadow? How can they manage themselves in the moment? or over their course of their lifetime to become more of a more highly evolved version of a pattern. You know, we also get interactions with archetypes. So whatever your core archetypes are and my archetype part, they kind of define our lens, right? Mm -hmm. Both yeah. what we see, but also what we don't see because we're coming at it from this, you know, perspective and this motivation. Um, so, there's a lot of there's a lot of juice in story telling mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that that helps us connect that helps us understand and align ourselves that helps us shift our behaviors um, all of those things. Mm -hmm. Well, and part of the work the reason I like doing this kind of this kind of work and I'm going to ask you to talk to me about my results as well is because this whole notion of right self understanding and awareness is forever right of learning about who we really are and what makes us tick is a forever thing which is why for me in my book I have a whole section or a whole chapter just on identity alone because mm -hmm. it's so important to understand who we are and who we're being in the world and some of the interactions we're seeing in the chat here is how can we see what we don't see um, a lot of this is, you know, a lot of this is like ongoing work to work through like a, an assessment and, mm -hmm. and the consulting that you do to help us be able to see what we can't see on our own because it's just so, so much of the water that we swim in that we can't distinguish it. Totally. Right. Yeah. So what, what is your purpose statement? Uh, I want to make one more comment and then I'm going to tell you what mine is. Okay. Um, okay. You know, just another, know. yeah, another newer way that, that we are applying archetypes is actually in the conversation around diversity and inclusion mm. in terms of how do we deepen those conversations. And I, I make that comment because when you ask, how can we see someone else's perspective, what archetypes do is they help us, you know, make uh, our subjective view of the world more objective, right? Mm. If I know, oh, I'm looking through the creator lens, then I have this appreciation that Elise has a different lens, right? Elise has a different motivation and I can start to, you know, appreciate, even if I, I don't have those patterns, I can start to appreciate somebody else's lens. So yeah. comment. Yeah. So my three, right? So creator is kind of meaning maker. Let's just call it shorthand, like a creator is a meaning maker. Um, so it's no wonder that I love storytelling so much. Yep. Um, the lover is a connector, like a relationship builder, like a relationship with self and each other. And the caregiver is like this nurturer, this grower, this like mentor of who you can, you know, perhaps. So if you take those three together for me, I have created a, pur a purpose statement that I say my purpose is to create wonder standing, to create wonder standing. And what I mean by that, the creator energy, obviously in the word create, but I love the word wonder standing because A, I made it up and that's what creators do. They make right. things up. But also, um, you know, there's a deep, I feel like wonder as a word gets at the energy of this like deeper connection we can have with ourselves, with each other right? That deeper level of connection and understanding that we can create with archetypes and storytelling. So that's what I'm here to do. <laughs> mm. Well, I love the work you're doing. and I'm so happy we crossed paths. It was supposed to happen. So mm. it was one one day or the other. That's how it was going to be. So exactly. 
So while I have you, you're you're the you're the professional here. I, I did want to talk about my results. Um, the yes. first one came back as hero, and then ruler and the innocent. I didn't quite understand the hero first very well until I went to your website. But talk to me a little bit, if you would, about how you would help me understand my results and maybe what yeah. they mean for me. Totally. So um, first of all, I just want to make a comment on hero, and and that is one of the hallmarks of hero is they don't think of themselves as heroes. Mm. That's kind of like a hallmark, right? Mm. Um, so it is one of the patterns that sometimes takes people a little bit more digging to see how that pattern is expressing itself. But you know, the first thing we do is we offer an assessment that you took, Elise, and and I would say a first thing that you should do as an individual is kind of give it a gut read, mm -hmm. like read through that pattern. Mm -hmm. yep, like what resonates, what doesn't resonate, because you have more capacity than here, and you may not resonate with every aspect of that pattern. So we go through a whole process. We have a community of coaches and consultants that are certified to use our assessment tools in their programs. And what we train them on is how to walk people through a validation experience. Mm -hmm. So you take your, your survey, you get your results, but you know what? It's a 72 question questionnaire. It's a validated, it's a validated instrument. So I know it's measuring patterns, but mm -hmm. what's more important to me is that you, Elise, have a felt experience and internalization that goes, oh, I see that. I see how that pattern shows up in my personal life, in my work life, in my family life, in, in my career choices, because it can become like a red thread that goes, how did I get here? You know, and what was, so hero, um, you know, as a pattern is this very inspirational pattern. It's a, it's a pattern that makes other people go, oh, I can be bigger, braver, and stronger because the hero gives me that sense of courage and determination. And so that I can totally relate yeah. to. That is definitely my jam is what I do for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so you may not resonate with everything. So I would suggest like how I would work with you is we would go through your top three or maybe four scoring patterns and we'd put, put the questions to you like, do you resonate? What are, how do you see those, that pattern show up in a really strong way for you in a positive way? Do you resonate at all with any of the shadow aspects of that? You know, you know, do people say those things about you, if you will? And do you have specific stories that illustrate the point, right? Mm -hmm, so if mm -hmm. we dug into each of your patterns, give me an example of when you showed up in a high hero positive way and what you were able to do for somebody. Because hero energy is motivated by challenge, right? Like every time there's an obstacle, that energy does not even see it. It's like, boom, I'm gonna cross right over that. And I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna run into the fire and, and, and I'm gonna take really principled action because that's the kind of energy that hero brings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so your part here, you might have some hero and you might have some of these other patterns too. Mm -hmm. And I did, I noticed the ruler was in there and, and I got that, so, um, but thank you. That that helps me just better understand a little bit. It distinguishes my own cells, if you will, for myself. And, and mm -hmm. listeners and viewers who are asking those questions about how do we see ourselves, that's part of it is holding up a mirror and having somebody else help us see what maybe we can't see for ourselves. And it's a beautiful mm -hmm. thing to do. And, and to that end, let's take the conversation next into what you do with leadership and in company culture. So I first want to understand how this particular work helps leaders understand themselves and lead better by knowing their archetype. Yeah. 
So um, everyone or most people are familiar with the term emotional intelligence, right? Yeah. So Daniel Goldman's work, yes. and it was really, really revolutionary 25 years ago when he introduced, he's, he's celebrating his 25th anniversary, but this idea that leadership was about more than mental capacity and more than results that, that, that in fact, the higher up the food chain you went in an organization, the less work product you were producing and the more the focus was on how do you manage inspire and lead people how do right. you motivate them how do you get them engaged you know all of these kinds of things which takes different skill set so i would say with archetypes there's an aspect to it that is about reading emotional intelligence mm -hmm. but we sometimes talk about it as narrative intelligence Right. So as a leader, if I start to look at my own stories, if I start to define my own archetypal profile, I can I can say, oh, wow, when I'm showing up in these patterns and these strengths, that's when I'm at my best. I need to develop more of that in myself or I can start to experience what's that shadow content that gets in the way. Right if you have high ruler like yours, like person who's very responsible, steps up and takes charge, but also in a shadow place might come across as like a little bossy, right? So it's both, oh, side, yeah. both sides of the coin. You've got to, uh, <laughs> you know, so there's like this narrative intelligence in your own life. How am I going to manage myself as a leader? How am I going to grow, evolve and develop into the kind of leader I want to be? But then you know, what about all the people on your team? And what if you understood they were all motivated by something different? They all had their own story and their own storylines. Now you can start to see, how do I manage an individual? How do I engage them? How do I turn up their motivation? How do I create a performance management plan or a career strategy that helps them grow, evolve? Because mm -hmm. it's all through this, you know, the framework of stories, our brains are actually wired for stories. And neuroscience points that out now, right? Like when the human brain, even if we get a list of facts, we, we translate it into a story. And when we see the neural connections that light up when we hear a story, it's just how, we, it's how we're wired. Yeah. So now, you know, you can manage the team. You could make hiring decisions by, we don't use archetypes to um, filter out or discriminate, but right. it can help us to understand the deeper drivers of someone we're interviewing. It can help us ask different questions. Um, and so there's a lot of potential, I think. I, I mentioned the diversity as another example. Who on the team brings what to the party, so to speak? And, and do we have all of the perspectives? And how do we resolve conflict between different archetypes? And how do we assign work based on what things, you know, are well aligned to you, uh, you know, in terms of your motivations and strengths? which I find terribly exciting as a Gallup Certified Strengths Coach and just being able to see the uniqueness in every human being. I, I never tire of that. Um, mm -hmm. It did occur to me to ask you, because in the next segment, I want to talk about the work that you do inside organizations and with leaders and cultures, but it did occur to me to ask you if a leader's architect, ar archetype is better when it aligns with that of the organization, if they're more effective, if they're stronger, if it aligns with that. No? Okay. Uh, no, it's kind of a common misperception. Like mm -hmm. if, if an organization, if we measure the organizational culture and we find out it's a high hero culture, should we have all heroes? Yeah. And quite frankly, that's terrifying, right? 
right? The thought of yeah, I would think so, yes, but especially <laughs> on, the, on the on the on the heels of a diversity conversation, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so so it is less about I need to align with the archetype of the organization, and more about if I understand that this organization's purpose is some combination of archetypes too. Let's just say that they have an explorer, lover, creator. Is there you know? their profile my job now is to figure out how do i show up as my best aligned self in service to this group thing that we're doing so what does the group count on me to bring to the party in order that all of us together can create this other experience that we're trying to deliver how exciting i love it i love what you do it's so great mm. Let's grab our next break. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We're on the air with Cynthia Forsman. She's the co-founder of Culture Talk. We've been talking a bit about how archetypes are used inside your organizations. After the break, we're going to get more in detail about how she actually does this work with regard to culture and leadership. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. Another thing that I wanted to share with you that we cooked up during the pandemic is this little thing called Gusto Now. And it's an e-learning platform for leadership and other professional development courses. And so we've offered, we've got a suite of courses now in English, Spanish, and Portuguese, which are my languages, and I love them. Now back to our program, we have with us today, Cynthia Forsman. She's the co-founder of Culture Talk. She's joining us today from Denver, Colorado. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. So in this last segment here, Cynthia, I really wanted to really roll up our sleeves and, and hear you talk about the work that you do inside organizations to bring it home for our listeners and viewers. So if you can start just maybe generically of just sharing, how do you work with companies to help them understand their archetype as an organization? Yeah, so the cultural archetype. So. Yeah. Um, we have two assessment tools that we have built. One is, is designed to measure individual personality through the lens of 12 archetypes. So who am I? How do I perceive myself, the world? What motivates me, et cetera? Um, the second tool actually measures the shared experience or what we like to call the unwritten rules of engagement. I think I heard you, Elise, describe it as like the water we're swimming in. <laughs> so, you know, how do we, you know, because everyone's talking about culture, but it is this very intangible thing, right? Mm -hmm. And Culture Talk and, and Archetypes was designed to, again, help us see the subjective lens and to make it a tangible thing. So, um, you know, there's lots of different things. Culture is, is a big topic. And, and, you know, you don't 
always get a call from an organization saying, God, I have a culture problem. <laughs> you, get, you get calls that say, I have a leadership problem. I have mm -hmm. a, a branding problem. I have a reputational crisis. I, no one's engaged. Our turnover is high. Like culture problems show up in like various symptomatic ways, right? Yes. Yes. Um, but the thing that connects all of that is like the shared group experience. Not, you, you know, we try to write down like here's our guiding principles, here's our mission, vision, values, but there's an aspect to organizational behavior that's like what we actually tolerate, not just what we say, but what we actually do. And that's what Culture Talk is designed to measure. So just like um, in working with an individual, the first step is actually measuring the culture using that assessment and you can have everybody in a company take the assessment. You can even add demographic questions that allow you to look at different departments, tenure, anything like that. Um, and, and they get a result across 12 archetypes, but you have to walk through a validation experience. So for our consultants and trainers and uh, coaches that are using the system, they would you know, run focus groups, run stakeholder interviews. They would go about getting more proof points like for why are these patterns showing up in the story? And, and we're gonna take the organization, the leadership team, whatever team is involved in the conversation, through the patterns that they're showing up and what does this look like? What does it sound like? What are your stories? How is this part of your you know, strengths? Is it showing up as shadow? So similarly, getting them to validate um, because that's where the magic is. The magic is not in the assessment. You know, It's part art and part science. The science piece is it's a validated instrument, but the art piece of it is kind of like getting a group to buy into this shared idea of who they are. And so then instead of culture being this very intangible, like we have a great culture, we have a toxic culture, we have a learning culture, like all these very gener generic words. Now they can say, we have a revolutionary, you know, innocent culture and here's how it shows up. They have a language they can use. Mm -hmm. I totally understand that from the work that I do too with culture. Um, but now next, though, if you will help us understand how do companies, how do you help companies steward um, their, their culture, their communication with uh, an understanding of their archetype? Yeah. So, I mean, again, stories are just rich, right? They're packed with yeah. so much, right? You know, I mean, we're wired for story. And some of what we get in story is motivation, strengths, values out of story. And so in a lot of ways, the stories, our stories can become a blueprint, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're working with someone on developing a purpose statement, a mission, vision, value statement, a culture code, an employee engagement, you know, a brand, whatever it is, when they start to have their own language for talking about it, you can use that and apply it. You can take the assessment once, but you can apply it out over and over again to all sorts of new things because culture connects it all. It's, it's the glue. Yeah. Well, and, and certainly one of the things that I saw somewhere on your website, which makes the most complete sense, too, is even just understanding um, your architect can help you improve your recruiting. And of course, I started my human capital career 20 some years ago in recruiting. And I yeah. certainly understand how if we can presence and talk about ourselves and describe ourselves through our archetype, of course, and people can yeah. say, yep, that's me. I like that. I, I really or nope, I don't like that at all. Right. So it, it really helps us, I think, select more appropriate people. But can you say a bit more about how using archetype can help with recruitment efforts. 
Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, employee branding and talent branding kind of yeah. feel like it's still newer. It's newer in my career, Rick. We weren't talking about that a number of years ago. But because we are where we are in terms of information technology and, and, and you know, people making choices, the millennial generation that came along and said, hey, you know what, it's about more than a paycheck. I, I want to I wanna be involved in something meaningful. And they're looking for that. It really pays for an organization to become intentional about how they're languaging, how they're putting themselves out there, what kind of stories they're telling about their organization to attract people. And you can't fake it. Right. Because mm-hmm. the moment you say you are something and I come in and I go, you are not that I have the opposite experience, that's going to create, you know, crisis. Whereas if you work from first understanding what is it in our culture, you know, like what's the what's the secret sauce? Because how we show up in those, let's say it's three or four patterns that we choose to use to build a brand or an employment brand around like there's only one you, there's only one you organization with this unique vision, this unique group of people that came together to deliver them. And if we can let the brand or the talent brand or the be like actually emerge out of our culture, like some of the feedback you'll hear from clients is like, oh, it's exactly what I always wanted to say about myself, our company, our organization, but I didn't have the words. Yeah. Yep, so, yeah. Archetypes gives us that like very tangible like words. And then when we're out telling stories that that are true, that are authentic to who we are, you know, that's where those things start to align um, and resonate. We, we live in a glass box. So, you know, our culture is our brand. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to comment on what you said there earlier about the, the words, whatever it was about not being spoken. But I, I when I do work like this too, what I, I've come to say is that really what I'm doing is I'm capturing the words that are hanging in the air, but not yeah. necessarily spoken. Right. Yeah. And totally. it's, and it's so right. It's so, but to you, you know, this, it's so powerful. People can go, yeah, that's right. That's us. Or that's me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's just, it's incredible to get to do that work. I love to watch people's molecules change when they get yeah. that awareness. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. just awesome. Yeah. It, it is. There's there's something magical about it. And there is also, it's it, for us, for you and for I, the work that's getting done. It's like, it's not even, it's not like our creativity. It's like mm-hmm. them, unco- we're just helping them uncover that's and right. look at, at, at what exists already in there. And it can really light teams up. So mm-hmm. we've had a lot of long experiences with clients that once they go through this kind of archetypal assessment, it, the archetypes are so sticky, right? Like, they're like, oh, you know, they, 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 people get engaged around the story. Okay. Well, so, so it's interesting. I, I did want you to tell, uh, maybe give us a case study or an example of a company that you work with or who you help to understand their archetypes. Um, but one thing along the line of things being sticky, one of the things I found so great about your website is that you show, uh, are you, um, I should say, pair the archetypes with certain known companies. And if I have this right from memory, I believe Nike's is hero like me. Is that right? Yeah, we would call Nike hero type of yeah. archetype. Yeah. It's, um, it's yeah. inspiring and it's it's agentic, right? Mm-hmm. And I would say, I mean, there's lots of reasons, you know, that we could go into both in terms of their internal culture and in terms of how they have branded their organization. Mm-hmm. But I would you know, just what are the three words that come to mind when you think of Nike? Yeah, just do it. Just do it. That's a hero energy, right? Uh-huh. Just do it. Just uh-huh. do it, right? Uh-huh. And so it doesn't have to be about sneakers and athletic wear. It's it's more about the feeling 
uh, what does it feel like when I step into that energy? Uh -huh. I love it. I love it. Of course, I relate to this because one, I am from Oregon, like Nike is. Okay, good. Yeah, I am a runner. Um, I, I do run in Nike shoes. Thank you, Nike. Uh, but mm -hmm. anyway, I just I thought that was uh, a great thing to to yeah. illustrate a little bit of stickiness that you're talking about. So totally. with that in mind, then Cynthia, would you share a, an example or a case study of, of an organization you work with, whether or not you want to use their real name or their identity? But yeah, I. I'd be happy to, and I am going to use actually a real name. Um, there was a company based in Colorado um, where I am, um, and the name of the company was DSC, which if doesn't mean anything to anybody, but that's another long story. They worked in the area of destination services, meaning they were meeting planners that would bring big groups into Colorado and they would design the whole experience from when they picked them up at the airport till, you know, the dinners, the shows, everything they did to kind of reward and recognize their corporate clients that came in. And DSC um, brought us in uh, 10 years ago to do some work around their culture and their brand. And um, through an archetypal analysis, they landed on just two, two core stories that really felt the most like them. And that was the hero and it was also the sage. It was the combination of those two. So initially what we did with that profile is we created a brand around it. We created like their tagline, DSC, we mastermind your experience. We, we combine know-how, sage, with can-do, hero. Like we, we got really deliberate about how we language things. We listened to all of their stories, all of their company lore, their traditions, et cetera. And we started to see like how they acted and behaved and rewarded hero and sage type of behavior and how key it was into delivering the experiences that they built for their clients. Uh, their growth strategy was to acquire similar firms outside of Colorado. So over the time we worked with them, they went out and they got some companies in Utah and Wyoming and Nevada, and they started having a bigger footprint across the West. So now they're merging cultures, right? Wow. What do we know about mergers? So the yeah. culture is a real sticky thing. It's a hard thing to deal with. And so they were able to use that understanding, that definition of who we are and what we value and what we stand for to bring new cultures in. And so they would run entire meetings, like, you know, engagement experiences with the team, with the new team about their hero sage culture. And in that way, they were able to kind of indoctrinate it. Fast forward one more time, and they were actually acquired um, by a larger firm that was rolling up companies. And the CEO of DSC said to me, you know, they've invited me to come in. They want me to come in and do what I did at DSC. And she's like trying to, she's like, what I didn't realize is that what we did with Hero Sage is we actually built a culture. We took that identity and those ideas and how they resonated with us and we built on it over and over again till the point where people knew this is who we are and this is our culture. So mm. that's what she would describe it as, is we actually built a culture. Mm -hmm. That's so exciting. Oh, isn't it just amazing to get to do this kind of work? That's just, it's awesome. Mm. Well, we're coming close to the to the end of the program already, but if you can just, can you speak just briefly to, you know, like the bottom line, what are the, the results? And when we talk about, this seems like, you know, the work that you do and the work that I do can be a little bit squishy to people who don't yeah. understand it. 
So how might you quantify the, the bottom line results of, of your work? <laughs> I love even the question, right? Because quantify and math. Right, right, we're right. We're definitely a data-driven kind of um, society. So I will go, and, and, and in work productivity and, and results and proof and ROI, those things are important. They're very important to decision makers. So I'll go back, you know, I, I, I tend to think of the, the soft stuff as the hard stuff, like it is the hard stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, and I'll go back to what I said at the beginning, like, you know, we're, who I am and how I should, my state of being in any moment is contagious. Mm. And, and that is starting to inform your culture. Um, so before we're numbers, before we're statistics, we are human beings. And I think archetypes as a framework recognizes that we are human first. And that if we can connect around some of those shared storylines for which our brains are actually wired, um, it makes for a workplace that's a lot, you know, has a lot more potential. Mm -hmm. Beautifully said. So we're at the, at the close of the show, and I'd like to give you the, the last word, if we will. So you know that the show is listened to by people across the globe, and it's all about helping to steward the conversation around meaningful workplaces and cultures and inspirational leadership and conscious capitalism. What would you like to leave our listeners with and say about 30 seconds? Well, if you're curious about your own archetypes or how you're showing up, we have an assessment on our website uh, for individuals. If you're curious about bringing this work into organizations or leadership teams that you're coaching, consulting, or training, we do have a certification program. We actually just today, this afternoon, launched our final one for 2020. But if you're interested in learning more about that, just put your name on our email list, which you'll see a form for at culturetalk.com. Cynthia, thank you so much for joining me. I love the work that you're doing and I feel elevated by learning more about it. So thank you for joining me and sharing, sharing what you're doing with our listeners and our viewers. Yeah, thank you. Really beautiful to be with you're you. Very, very welcome. And listeners and viewers, you heard her say, if you want to learn more about Cynthia Forsman or the work she and her team are doing at Culture Talk, visit their website. It is culturetalk.com. Last week, if you missed the live show, you can always catch it via recorded podcast. We were on the air with Devil Sangavi of Dazra in Mumbai, India, to learning about his strategic philanthropy organization out to uplift the lives of one billion Indians. Incredibly inspiring what this man and his team are up to. And it's amazing what we can do high on purpose and passion. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Next week, we'll be on the air with Joshua Spodek talking about his latest book called Initiative, A Proven Method to Bring Your Passions to Life and Work. See you there. Remember that work is at least a third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. <music> We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll create a world where business operates conscientiously, leadership inspires impassioned performance, and employees are fulfilled in work that provides the meaning and purpose they crave. See you there. Let's work on purpose.